to set the scene. The year is 2015. You and your freshman roommate travel to Des Moines. You're there for a concert. Not just any concert, no. Taylor Swift's 1989 concert. You scream, you laugh, you're odd. To quote the genius herself, you are in love. Taylor Swift has been a big sister and role model to girls on the millennial Gen Z cusp since she was just 15 years old. Her first debut album was released in 2006. And since then she has released eight main albums minus like deluxe and singles and all of that. Eight main albums in the genres of country, country pop, pop, synth pop, and rock. Having sold over 200 million records worldwide, she is one of the best selling music artists of all times. Her accolades include 10 Grammys, an Emmy Award, and seven Guinness World Records. She is the most awarded act and woman at the American Music Awards with 29 wins and Billboard Music Awards with 23 wins. She has been in five movies, Valentine's Day, The Lorax, The Giver, Cats, and Miss Americana. Her philanthropy, political involvement, and kind spirit just top off the long list of things I admire most about this woman that I've never met. That was so sweet. When we end season one of our podcast, I think we should write little bios about each other. How sweet would that be? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yay. That was so nice. Oh my gosh. I I know when I was like reading through her Wikipedia page because elaborate research, um, just the entire thing is like, she won this award. She was top of this. And here's all the technical ways in which she's significant. And I was here for it, but it's, it's a, it was massive. So I'm really glad you summed it up in that way because it's just like, if you want to do every single award Taylor Swift has ever won or every single record she broke, it's just, it'd be a lot. Absolutely. And I mean, her wiki page does go through, you know, those time periods with the different albums and what was going on in her life throughout that. But I think just highlighting some things that she's known for are like dating a lot of people, first of all. Like that was, she was salt shamed a lot when we were probably in middle and high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, she dated all of my crushes at that point so (laughs) there's that (laughs) um and the Kanye with Beyonce stealing the show at one of those award shows that was a huge moment um I don't know if this was as significant a part of your life as mine but when she was on SNL and she did T-Swizzle T-Pain that song do you remember that yes I didn't know at the time it was connected to NSL or yeah SNL yeah I uh but I had caught it on YouTube (laughs) yep yep and just a little PS she wrote her entire monologue opening that when she hosted so and she's like one of the only if not the only person who's done that wrote her own completely she's 
amazing person. I mean, because she was like probably 20 then. Thereabouts, I would guess. Yeah. So, um, other things she was known for more recently was the sexual assault um, that was committed against her, to her, um, in which she countersued the person, the man, for $1 because he was in the wrong and she won. Um, and it was more about being right and showing that it's not okay than Well, and to clarify, else. she, the incident occurred, she reported it to his boss. He was a radio host personality in like Denver, Colorado, and he got terminated because of it and then he decided to sue her for i'm guessing defamation or something thereabouts that for making that quote-unquote accusation and then she took the countersuit as you said and won and there's literally a photo where you can see his hand plainly on her ass so it's just kind of like what a power trip man what a Thank you for why. clarifying with that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it was a it was a big deal, especially with Me Too um starting to gain traction around that time. And well, and I think a good reason to clarify too is that there was really good PR that was happening around it that wasn't in Taylor's favor. And when I say really good PR, I mean not really well done PR, meaning that public opinion was being swayed in a way that I don't think it was based on any facts. It was just like, oh, really privileged Taylor Swift is taking away this other guy's livelihood or whatever else. She was feeling threatened. How is that possible when she has this much staff, et cetera, et cetera. And it, yeah, it was unfair because when you look at the facts plain as day it's just like whoever was doing that spinning really spun it well significantly because oh I had a lot of people that I think I came across during that time period I just remember having like casual conversations and they're being like oh Taylor Swift another thing basically but it's easy to kind of have fun with it and forget that we are literally sending messages to messages are being sent to us as consumers but also as we play into these we can help bring forward these narratives and it's very influential into how you view other similar circumstances and also that person should always get a fair shake of it too and taylor i feel terrible that this is seems to be the case from my perspective but i think she just has enough cross sections where it's really easy to villainize her really easy to see her as a villain really easy to buy into narratives in which she is a villain and just kind of see the worst in her or about her and yeah it's very unfortunate and i have even though i've been a big fan i've listened to her music often i also have been willing to perpetuate some of these narratives just because they're interesting or because they felt true just peripherally and like, oh, I could see that and yeah 
do you remember when you first heard of or listened to Taylor Swift? My earliest memories of listening to Taylor Swift are sitting in my childhood bedroom, honestly, probably laying on the bed. I had her first album, Taylor Swift, and just like sitting there with my eyes closed, taking in teardrops on my guitar, pre like any love experience, pre any high school, anything. I was like, this is what it's like to be in love and have your heart broken. It's so funny because I totally know what you mean. Like, and the funny thing is when I've heard her talk about her first album, she was like, it was before I fell in love. Like for, like, it's based on like Disney princesses and movies and what we thought love was about. And so I think it's funny because I was equally as enchanted with it and thinking, this is everything we've ever seen or heard or and it's true because it was literally based on not personal experiences, essentially. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, the first time my, I have a cousin that's two or three years younger than me. And she introduced me to Taylor Swift because she was getting country radio play. And my cousin is liked country music and I did not. And so um, I like really distinctly, like I can see her showing me Taylor Swift. I don't know if she had the album or we looked it up at my house, but I just started taking guitar lessons. I had like really wanted to like do music in a good way. And so I remember just being super enchanted by the thought of this, like this young girl who's uh, doing it and making music and writing songs and all of that. And I didn't stick with the guitar very long and I never got good at it at all <laughs> so apparently she didn't inspire me sorry Taylor Swift she didn't inspire me quite enough to go down a path I didn't need to go down anyways but um <laughs> it was a good thought for like a moment <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember just even subsequently with albums being released my best friend um and I just spending so much time listening to them together and every song we're like oh this like so applies to us like oh how does she get you with every single song and of course like they basically none of them actually technically apply to us like we were right not, we did not have that elaborate of love lives going on but the fantasies in our head boy did taylor really get those <laughs> yes yes oh my goodness uh, <laughs> she's a freaking genius yeah. uh, I didn't tell you what I've been doing to prep for this. I noticed that there were no notes in our planning document, which I had done with Little Women. I started my own document, so you kind of were blind to that one. And I, I know you and your preparation, so I knew that something was going on. I'm ready. I did brackets for each of <laughs> Holds up all of the paper. <laughs> Double-sided, handwritten brackets. I uh -huh. love it. <laughs> I listened to every single song on most of the just like basic, not deluxe albums, except for one. Well, that says a lot to say that there was a particular one in which you deluxe, not the regular. That was favoritism. That's a yes. biased 
it's okay. It absolutely was. <laughs> I mean, really the ones that won would have won no matter what. But <laughs> I want to ask what your favorite Taylor Swift songs are, but I think we should go through the brackets first. And then I, I want to disagree with you. So I would love if we could go through the br gra brackets and I can okay. give you feedback on them. All right. Are you willing you want... to edit them at all or are these no. the official? These are official for me. Okay. <laughs> I do have them, I think, saved not like fully, but the like song lists on okay. my laptop, other laptop. So. so let me, first of all, so there are there album brackets and song brackets? No. Okay. So the way I did it, well, no, not album brackets. There are just songs. Songs. So they're the songs within each album I ranked against each other. Okay. So it's the best of, and I did not go back through and rank my favorite of all time because I don't think I can. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, Plus you would take the winner of each album, right? And then rank it against each other. That's right. What happened. Right. Okay. So I'll give you like my top few, like my last, what is it? Like the, the runner ups and then my winner and then my honorable mention. Well, I want you to hold the whole thing up because I want to see the early ones too. But yeah, you don't have to tell us the entire narrative as much as I would really, really enjoy that. And are you starting with earliest album? Yes. I will do them in order. Thank you. And the way I organized it was I literally just put the songs in the order that they are on the album. Okay. So, so like that might be controversial, but the way I justified it is that in NCAA tournaments, there are some tier ones against tier ones right away and that's just the way it is and this was the easiest way I could do it it was going to get <laughs> weeded out anyway so that's why there are honorable, honorable mentions in there <laughs> I love it <laughs> it's very serious I actually okay my inspiration was drawn from both Samantha Fobb and Megan Newbro Megan when Folklore came out good friends of ours to clarify yes yes <laughs> Megan did like a top I believe three from each album playlist. Oh. And then another one. I don't know if she did her top one or like top five. I don't know. And then Samantha Fobb listened to every single album all the way through and then listened to Folklore for the first time. <gasps> so that was kind of my inspiration for the way I did this. Okay. And then I ranked after I listened. They are the best and brightest minds of Thanks. our generation. It's amazing. So we can, <laughs> I believe them. Okay, so here we are. The Taylor Swift album, my top three, were Teardrops on My Guitar, Cold As You, and Our Song. And I had Our Song winning with Cold As You being an honorable mention. Interesting. So interesting. Oh my gosh. This isn't how it would have shaked out for me, but I appreciate it. <laughs> what do you think your favorite song from this album was? Oh, I think it would be Tim McGraw, but I, okay, I love them all. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Oh, okay. I would like to say in terms of next generation, so I'm a big, I do big brothers, big sisters. So I have a little, she's not so little. She's 14. She's a freshman in high school. And I asked her today, like, what Taylor Swift songs do you like? And she's like, oh, I've never really gotten to Taylor Swift. So I just said, sorry to inform you, but this entire, 
it's only like a 15 minute drive for me to go pick her up and then she came over to the house we made cookies and we watched mama mia and yeah um but it was like this entire car ride we're listening to taylor swift and i was like did you know that she used to be country and Bree's like no i had no idea so we went back to album one and picture to burn was her favorite so just on like a first little listen through she didn't get it through all the songs but i think that one was gonna stand the test of time like she oh, was, yeah. was loving it oh but it was such a sassy song oh, that's so cute oh, mary song stay beautiful those are really top <laughs> ones from that a place in this world is really high for me oh yeah i get why you picked our song um brie didn't love it as much as i thought she would i was like this is catchy what are you saying she's like i don't know picture to her was just more catchy and she didn't like teardrops on my guitar either so she's kind oh, of a hard one to please i know how old is she with a smile she's 14 Oh my god, that's that's the right age to love it. Maybe I it's know. a little too old. <laughs> Maybe that is what it is. Okay. My, okay, my well, my struggles with this album was that this was one of the albums that I had on CD and would listen to in the boombox and had like you would too. Yes. <laughs> as I would go to bed, I listened to it for like 18 months as I was going to sleep. <laughs> yes. So it's like you listen to it and it's it's not like you can just skip every song you just listen to it all the way through and you know the entire album whereas now I just like pick two or three songs if I like them or hear them on the radio and I'm like this is great our next album is fearless which can we get dates on these two here I can tell you oh, okay so I was going to 2006 yes so for reference Katie and I would have been 10 and then Fearless would have been two years later in 2008. We would have been 12. Okay, so Fearless. I'm just going to go through it. My top two, that's how it shook out, were You Belong With Me and The Way I Loved You. The Way I Loved You is my freaking favorite. It's one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. But my honorable mention, which I did not appreciate, when I was younger and this album first came out, love it. Like I got stuck on this one and couldn't like keep going with the albums forever and always. Oh. That was so good for me. We caught on to something. This is good. Uh, Hey, Steven deserved a win. Not the whole thing, just the love story one. (laughs) (laughs) Per se. Fair. I want to say love story uh, back to um, like seventh or eighth grade running around the gym during PE class. That was like the third song on the CD that was always played. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. The way I loved you. I did not think that's what was going to come out as top of this one. I think yeah. for me it would have been 15 actually. Really? Is the one I do the most. I know. I'm going to say this, every single album, all of them deserve to win. They're so good. Change. I love Change, too. Okay, but I can respect the way I loved you. I can respect that big time. I, it's one, so Megan and I were also roommates in college, and um, I'll just, that was just for everyone else listening, <laughs> if, if this makes the episode. And her and I would go on, like, late-night drives. And she would always pick the music. And that one was like my moody song that she would always choose for me because she knew it like got me riled up and I needed it. And 
Yeah. That makes me really happy. That's what Taylor Swift literally, yeah, just makes me think of late night drives. Yeah. So good. Okay. This was, I, it's hard to tell. Every album I'm like, this was her most awarded album. Speak now. Which is 2010. Katie and I would have been 14. Yes. So, my top two, which it's so weird how this shook out because my favorites were kind of weeded out the first, like right away because they were pitted against each other. So, my top two are Last Kiss and The Story of Us. Mm. And The Story of Us won. And the only reason it won was because on the extended edition is ours, which won honorable mention. And that is probably my favorite song of the album. Okay. Hold on. Let me spell the entire bracket. I want to yep. appreciate this whole thing. Back to or I would have won the whole thing for me. Really? Yeah. I think so. Speak Now, I think would have lost it back to December. Oh, I think the story of us was another one that hit me this time through, like more than it had previously. Yeah. Or ours is really good. It deserved that honorable mention. I'm really glad you did that for it. Speak now. This I was listening to this album when I was running today. (laughs) Really, (laughs) and it hits when you run. It's a good one. All Taylor's ones are good for running, but (sighs) yes. Okay. Okay. Next one is red. So what year was this? Red was 2012. Katie and I would have been 16. Oh, oh yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> I feel like this was, this was her cusp definitely of country to pop. Okay. I'd agree with that. I think. Okay, <laughs> cool. I didn't read up on that part of it. Like which albums is just what I'm feeling. <laughs> um, my top two. For this one, which I did not expect to be this way, actually, were Red and Begin Again. Red got Red won, and Begin got honorable mention. Yeah. I mean, the album, you know, lead single, I think it deserves probably to get that. I just, I played it over and over so much. I would have done this one exactly the same way. You and I are, yeah, it's 100%. We're 100% on the same page on this one. Except for maybe 22 would have made it higher. That might have been the only other one. That that one's so hard for me because, like, last year when I was 22, it was a staple, right? And I was so (laughs) excited to get to that year. (laughs) (laughs) What made 22 notable? Taylor Swift. That's so cool that we did it almost the same. I love that. Okay, the next one we have is 1989, which came out in 2014. So that was our junior year of high school. Yes. So we would have been 17 years old. Okay, this one I probably know second or third best here. Like, this is one of my fave albums. I want, since this is like 
our little keepsake album. I want to know what you think I chose for my winner. 1689. I know which one mine is. I don't think it's going to be the same as yours. Mine is literally the very, very beginning of it is Welcome to New York is my number one. Really? I know. I'm going to guess. Well, and you know that I always joke (laughs) when (laughs) Wildest Dreams, I always joke it's going to be the song of my first dance at my wedding. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. It's so terrible for that purpose. Jesse's favorite it's it's my least favorite is his favorite is how to get the girl really yeah that's Jesse Kielman my brother's favorite song on the soundtrack I'm gonna guess that one one against wildest dreams for me (gasps) okay you can put him then instead of (laughs) me next time oh I don't know if I can finish this oh (laughs) I'm gonna guess your number one was I know places. No. <gasps> Did it get to the bottom? Was that at the end of the bracket, though? Did it make it? <gasps> it only beat out this love. I'll tell you my top two. Okay. I wish you would. And new romantics. Really? I mean, romantics is really high on. I can't blame you at all. Cannot blame you at all. Although, to be fair, it is on the deluxe tracks so I didn't know that was in the running it was on the oh is it really yeah but it's okay maybe I I think this one must have been like the one I just automatically included because I love new romantics that much yeah no it's okay that's really high for me too I'm really glad actually that that got counted and I I wholeheartedly agree so wait so those were the two runners up or so there's still one that won it out well yes 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 one of those, and it was. I wish you were really. <gasps> oh, yep. I could scream that one in my car just about the same as um, the way I loved you. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back song. and listen to it again now that I know that. I feel like this is gonna give me a whole new perspective. <sighs> well, okay, so my honorable mention was Blank Space. Um, because probably it was such a bop that one was really close to style no I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but this this album is hits a real sweet spot for me where it stops being quite as nostalgic as the other ones are this one's like still very relevant album for me to love and hold close near and dear it absolutely is I would agree with you on that one Okay, so that one was written in 2014. Well, in the meantime, we went to college. We did all these things. We had all this growth and development. And then she deleted everything on her Instagram and released Reputation. She had, like, do you remember, like, the snakes and everything? Like, she was, it was so moody and so different from her. And that was our junior year of college. And I just want to say that Katie's face looks so enchanted as she describes this. This was a hard point for me to be a Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. It was, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I wasn't, I didn't have empathy for her as this was happening. I couldn't understand where she was sourcing this material from for me. I, I would agree with you. 
but looking back I think it's like her journey and how she got here was so cool and Katie's hate fire is a little higher right now so (laughs) it's true I'm very amped up about this I love Taylor Swift I can very firmly say that this is my least favorite album that's fair I think that I, one, I respect where it's at. I expect I respect it, but it's uh it's my hardest one. I don't pull it out very often. I'm hoping. I'm hoping one day it makes sense. Maybe when I'm giving birth. There so when I was <laughs> when I'm giving birth, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't catch it at first. Okay. I will say I also didn't love it when it first came out. However, there were some songs in it. Like, and I don't know if it'll be a go-to still, but there were some songs in it that I appreciated a lot more the most recent time I listened through it. So my favorite, my favorite was Don't Blame Me. Mm, that was number one on it. Yeah. So my runner up and my honorable mention was Call It What You Want. Interesting. Okay. Those are not what I would have chosen, but to be fair, I'm not looking at it through a bracketed mind, you know? I'm just looking at the song most. Oh, yes. So. I'll show you here. Because they were up against, like, really hard ones. Yeah. So Deli- Delegate would, would have been tops for me. Yeah. And then New Year's Day would be my other one. Mm. I, I like that one. It doesn't hit a chord with me as much as the others do. She has a really good acoustic version of delegate that's super good that's a spotify single i believe okay so i uh, yeah i can't i'm my heart's not in the ring to fight you over any of this um and i completely respect what you're choosing so okay okay yeah, yeah. but you be ready because the next two albums i will <laughs> oh jesus you can I will come you after you it. yeah i'll come after you because <laughs> Okay, folklore, yes, we can have a heated debate, but Lover, I, I didn't know that many songs on Lover. Six of the songs I could recognize right now. The other ones, I have no idea. Intrigue. Yeah. Intrigue. Okay. Okay. I, okay, I want to see the bracket. Okay. Well, Wait, okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, I was obsessed with lover and that one won i am currently obsessed with me after watching her movie miss americana i love me i think it's so good um but my honorable man mention is the man okay absolutely then, yeah yeah i feel strong about those okay well like a honorable mention 2.0 was daylight if just for her like exit audio on that song like she kind of speaks it and where there's like one line that's like you are what you love and I I don't know why I just died at that so I can come back to the the experience of the albums again after we talk through it all but I don't know why that one after like the whole album that got to me. So here's my bracket. You know, doing these brackets, I don't know if I would have tossed Lover as high on my album listing list, but 
what a good album are there any like in the lower to middle third that I don't know that you would have brought up Cornelia Street is really high for me I think that would have made it further Soon You'll Get Better I never seek that song out but it really hits me every time I listen to it I love some of her songs in her earlier albums where she talks about her mom um like the best day like I loved that song growing up and I felt that like very deeply and then um kind of unfortunate that I get a share Taylor's with that both of her moms have had cancer so uh I was hoping I wouldn't have to get it as much as I get it but yeah soon you'll be better I mean it's me every time I hear it but I don't seek it out ever I could empathize why you don't seek it out yeah daylight I wasn't a favorite before this conversation and now I'm like, I think that's going to get put way up there now for me. Oh, eek. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Are you ready? Fan favorite quarantine release told us on a Thursday that she was going to just drop it. Um, She's been referred to as the Shakespeare of our quarantine because of folklore did you love it by like basically first course of first song as you're listening to it for the first time yeah same okay great there's like didn't expect it to be this indie didn't expect it to be both upbeat and calling back to her roots and still present and so much not about her Mm -hmm. but also so personal well I'm glad you say that I think this album prompts for me in a lot of ways me thinking through some of her other music and how much we assume it's this really interpersonal tell us tell like her diary aloud sort of thing and that's what we've been told is her music and how much I'm like She's an artist who tells stories, and I mean, some of the stories really are ridiculous, where it's, like, it's not her talking about herself, like, right, like, we should know this and not assume that, and we do assume it, by and large, um, so I think the artistry that went into this one, Kate and I have talked about this offline previous to this, is mm-hmm. then we went back and listened to the first album, and then... And then I forced, forced Katie on this journey to re-listen to all of it and bracket them. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Okay. I mean, so she's like in her beach home that's called Holiday House and she's writing this. I'm assuming during quarantine, like doesn't have shit else to do. <laughs> so she's like finding files and learning about the history of the people who used to live there. And so four or five of the songs are at least partially about this other family. And I love the connections that she made to herself through them. Um, Reminded me of the callback to Mary's song, Oh My My My, um, on the Taylor Swift album. And reminded me of Speak Now 
because my favorite song in this album is Betty. I absolutely love that song. And, her- and it has been since the very beginning. I will say that this is the first answer that Katie's ever given and she has not wavered at all. Nope. And I can recognize why it wouldn't be a favorite. Like, just looking at it objectively, there are other songs that are more intricate, uh, better produced, all that. But that one reminds me just of her early days and it makes me very happy. Um, Also, I can play the chords on the piano and kind of sing to it. Like some of her songs are too high for me. So it's like, I can't do that. But I can like kind of like experience it. Okay, so my top two, actually I'll tell you my top four were Exile, My Tears Ricochet, Illicit Affairs, and Betty. Betty and Exile moved on and Betty won. Illicit Affairs was my honorable mention. But I know Mackenzie, I know Mackenzie that your favorite is Peace. Absolutely it is. And it is so good. After you and I talked about it the first time before this podcast was even conceived, (laughs) you encouraged me to listen to it and it is very good. Like I let the album go after Betty because of that. Oh, that makes me happy. I 100% agree with Exile. Mm. Illicit Affairs is high for me. It's so good. Also, a like, recent favorite, like, because I finished listening to this album like two days ago, today I really like uh, Invisible String. That one's really high for me. I, I, <laughs> I say this every album. This is one of the best albums. Like, this album, I could listen to repeat until I die, and I would not get sick of it. Um, I disagree with you on Cardigan, the one would have won for me. Okay. It's unfortunate Exile and the Last Great American Dynasty had to be against each other, because that is one, it's such a playful song. A few of her songs that kind of play with the same theme as like the last great American dynasty when she's like talking about like people talking behind her back and like assuming she's talking very interpersonally about herself but you could see how those storylines kind of play out and her you know things about her Kanye West dispute those sorts of things um like I liked Mean because I was in junior high when that came out so that was kind of felt good but um this one was one that I was like I loved it. I thought it was so fun and playful and like a really w- good way of discussing it. This is really good. I really, yeah, all in all. And hoax is a really good end to like a really good end to the album, <laughs> way to wrap it all up. And the yeah. the one was an excellent opener. So those were really strong bookends. Yes. For me too. Um, I I didn't think like originally when I was listening to the song. Um, or this album that I saw a lot of her like personal love life in it and we usually do mm-hmm. so that was very strange in itself not to see it um, in the lyrics to Invisible String I didn't realize this until today like an hour ago um, 
one of the lyrics is bad was the blood of the song in the cab on your first trip to LA but yeah, and then it goes on and like it's like kind of how they met mm. and it's like bad blood her song bad blood mm-hmm. and so that's like it was just very cute and so just like she has mag- a magical way with words and her lyrics and all of that jazz. Okay, so here we are at the end. And I want to say that listening to this all the way through was challenging and such a great opportunity for me to be reaffirmed in the fact that Taylor Swift is an amazing songwriter, singer, lyricist, like, I I appreciate that you said the one was a perfect opener and hoax was a perfect ending because I said we would get back to this in red. I couldn't appreciate more state of grace being an absolutely perfect opener for that album and then begin again being a perfect ending and I don't know why it hit me that it was it was just like being at a concert in my head you know like the first song isn't always the best song that they have they save that for the ending right but it was definitely like stop look at me this is this is the album this is who we are right now this is one I want what I want to portray with the rest of it and I think the way she structured her albums, granted, she had a lot of help. Like, she had a lot of help in the last 14 years. <laughs> but I appreciate it so incredibly much. Well, I would actually counter that argument. As much as there is a team and people who do it, I she writes a lot of her own songs. And even in her first album as a... 14 15 year old doing it she had a few where she wrote them alone and then following that another one of her albums she wrote completely on her own with no help i'm trying to remember which one it was let's see here yep speak now she wrote entirely by herself and co-produced every track I feel like she's been a step ahead of me every time point in my life. Like, not that she's told me or influenced how I feel about the world, but each of her albums kind of brought her to that next level and then brought me there with her. And I definitely think that a lot of her first albums are too young for me right now. I like them, but I don't, I don't think they're, relatable or super relevant in my own life anymore but Mm. now the last four like the last half of her career to this point are still in that era that like I see the complexities of being a young adult she's 30 now I'm 22 I I can understand and appreciate them a lot more and they're all very different like she has lover which is i don't even know what to classify that as it's dreamy it's dreamy as hell and then folklore which is indie 
and reputation, which is, she gets almost techno here, like almost EDM, and she could have easily gone that way with her um, knack for getting the right popular thing next in her albums. And then 1989, which took me through my, like the end of our high school years and was just a beautiful album to come of age to, really. I would so, agree that she foreshadowed a lot of my life events previous to, it was kind of like the opening of the gates a little bit where you get to see a little bit ahead and then you would commence on this next step kind of emotionally. And I would also agree that she was able to set a new standard of what's popular and it seems exclusively by the only like the own genius in her mind like she was able to be business savvy but also completely authentic about here's what I'm hearing here's what I'm loving here's what I want to put out into the world and I'm going to put it out there and it's going to be received and this actually brings me back around to the point I was going to um, ask you a little bit more on is I, in my research preparation to this, came across an article that was in the Vancouver Sun of all newspapers, newspapers, I think it's an online newspaper, um, by Francius Marchand in August of 2015, and it was kind of an odd piece like I really don't I think he Taylor Swift was touring in his area and so that was like the prompt of them kind of like covering her career a little bit but it was odd coverage to be putting out in the world like I don't understand what his motivation was in it okay but I came across it because um I wanted to confirm or deny a rumor that was going around really heavily when we were high school aged or so about how Taylor Swift got her start that she like plays it off that she's a country girl but she's really from Pennsylvania which is funny a little bit for me because <laughs> my family's from Pennsylvania and I was like yeah that's not the south and then I visited there in high school again and I'm from my grandpa was from very rural Pennsylvania and it is very con like confederate flags left and right so <laughs> <laughs> like very rural country southern heritage you just I don't think about that when I think of Pennsylvania no, um, not at all I feel no. like I think about like is that like Liberty Bell and history things like that yeah and then uh, her family did move to Nashville when she was 15 to, for her to pursue music and um when she went to sign her first album, her dad bought 3% into Big Machine Records, which would have been a new company that was signing her. And that would be valued about $120,000. Um, but I had heard a rumor that was that her dad bought her into her first album and that that is the reason that she was so successful. And then I even tried to look a little bit further in to see if there's any confirmation about him buying like a certain number of records so that she was automatically kind of going to be like 
you know, kind of like a bestseller sort of thing that's known to happen. That happens sometimes um, where they try to get that buzz by if was my, I, I didn't see any confirmation. Um, but I, I wasn't like trying to obviously throw any stones toward her or anything. I just was curious how much of that was true or not and what that narrative looked like. But then I came across this article and he kind of had a very interesting article. Like I thought you read 80% of this article and I'm going, he's a little sexist and he's a little biased and he's a little aggressive. And I don't understand what his motivation is to be any of these things. And he's talking about how she has control of her image. Like she's very controlling and like, for example, she's asked fans not to make merchandise of her slash her lyrics. Um, and essentially that kind of kind of extends to mean like fan art even seems like it's questionable. And I, I thought that was interesting. And then that she's been like very restrictive in contracts with photographers about what they're allowed to do. Like she has a team that fault a team, I don't know how large this team is, or a person who follows her and is responsible for the Getty images of her. And like she gets to pre-approve all of those in oh. a contract at a point. And then she had to renegotiate those contracts with the photographers because they would get so frustrated with their limitations on photographing her. And then he didn't include this in this article, but um, in, it might be because 2015 might have been a little before it happened, but um, like she was very resistant to Spotify and putting her music onto Spotify and wanting to have that control and thought it was um, not fair to her um, as an artist and the cost of that and what the music industry is kind of turning into. Um, as a business model wise and so she was resistant to doing that and that kind of has a control element to it so um but as we talk about all mentioning earlier about the PR that's happened and how it I would think for her it feels like you have to hit this very, very fine line of who you are and what your image is and what your, she puts so much time and energy and soul and thought and precision into her work and is this really interesting, deliberate, creative that I can understand why she would want to have every I dotted T crossed very specific about her image because if anything gets misinterpreted just how quickly that spirals and spirals and spirals um and so it was interesting to hear him talk about control with her her being controlling but then he does end the article with to swift's credit she likely would not have made it where she is without the kind of grasp she has on the music business it's the same kind of power play strategy many of the world's top artists from Jay-Z to Madonna have built over the course of their careers. There's a very good reason why she stands among them now. So anyways, I just thought that that was really worth a mention, worth a thought about her putting out her music and what that looks like and means and 
I think it's really, really important to think about all the hard work that, that it isn't just, just that she's super talented or just that this is raw energy or raw material that is her, like how much it takes to cultivate it, maintain it, monetize it, um, and all the pieces that go with that and how easy it is to throw rocks at a glass house, essentially, that she is still a human being. And um, you didn't specifically say this, Katie. Did you watch the documentary, Miss Americana? Yes. Okay, cool. Me too. I think it goes, does, I was a little disappointed in the documentary because I wanted a real documentary on her that talked about how substantial she was in really substantial terms. I wanted basically like a misrepresentation, but about just Taylor Swift. And then we got Miss Americana and it's kind of like the social media version of a documentary. Like it's kind of a behind the scenes, but maybe a little bit more better, more elaborate than that. And I think it did a good job. I thought it, I, it just wasn't quite what I was hoping would be all in all. But I think it was a good preview for a continuing career. And I think if they did something more than that, then maybe it would seem like she's, her career is done or she's on to the next or, you know, See, taking the next I, phase. I appreciated it because it was something that was so unexpected. Like, I, like did you see any, um, and I'm, I'm curious because I, I didn't see any promotions for Miss Americana until it was on Netflix. Yeah, no, it did, it came across my my radar because it was on Netflix, not because of anything else. Okay, and I I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate when anybody I follow or companies that I purchase things from give us little freebies every once in a while. I was mostly just going to agree with you, and <laughs> I think for me, you know, I mentioned that Reputation is certainly my least favorite album of hers, and that after that album, I did need a little bit more of a narrative um, and connection points that had the storytelling behind it and had kind of the interpersonal um, and the emotional um, persuasion to it. And so that doc documentary really helped with that. And it also reflected some nostalgia while actually giving me a really good insight to her process. And different behind the scenes things that I didn't know I craved to know or want. Um, I love when she does like the voice memos onto her albums and does some of that stuff when she's mocking it up or she's just come up with an idea and this is kind of a raw version of what she's thinking. Um, so it was kind of fun to see her record them into the phone than what you would hear. So there were a lot of really good connection points in the documentary. So yeah. Katie. Um, when you went through and you re-listened to all the albums, did you get to have kind of a, a level of closure with different phases of your life and having kind of that coming of age journey? Like this is the soundtrack to our lives in the last decade plus. Um, did you have any of that where you're like, your moments of peace, especially some of her later reflections and her most recent albums where you got to go ahead and go on this emotional roller coaster again a little bit. And I, I'll reiterate what I said before about 
closure and feeling like I did mature out of some of the albums of her earlier career. Um, there was closure and like reputation. Um, again, what we talked about, like the humanity of it and like gaining perspective on, you know, in just the last three years since it's three-ish years since it's been out, like a lot's happened. <laughs> We've grown a lot as humans and it's, yeah, I under I feel like I feel like you know in movies when you see when it clicks in their eyes and I feel like it clicked for me. And I don't know why, but folklore makes me sad in some ways because I feel like after Lover I could say like okay, there's going to be something else from here, but folklore like I don't I have no idea what she's going to do next. And that's beautiful and scary because she has been such a part of our lives. Did you feel that similarly? I felt like it was a new beginning. A new like, beginning. A new beginning. I felt like it was a push off point to like the next phase of life. I don't know if it's because I, I did know that she kind of turned 30 around the time that this was happening and thinking about what a milestone 30 is and how people feel about it. And she made it to the other side of, 20s and I I saw it as feeling like a new beginning so I get why you say it's kind of bittersweet and sad because it's like what is this vast opening that could be in theory could be her not doing much more music and uh, looking to bring her storytelling in different mediums and modes and she could Reese Witherspoon her asses um, that, that's so funny that you said that because as you were talking I was like she could really do, like, she could produce things that young women are, okay, we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, the voice has me kind of thinking on those realms, too. And I don't think she's going to go on the voice, but I, I was thinking about John Lundgren earlier and just how he was describing uh, going on the voice and how that really has added a lot to his career at this point in terms of being able to have that mentorship perspective. Um, but. I don't know. I'm glad that it makes you feel bittersweet. For me, it makes me feel hopeful. So we did have, we both love this album so, so much and for completely different reasons. So that's kind of fun. Uh, Either way, it tugs at the heartstrings, man. This journey has been so personal and so just fun so far I no matter what she does next I can't wait and I think I would like to say her and I could be friends she's like just weird enough that like she could be friends with a commoner like me and you I was going to say is that a reflection of being friends with me like <laughs> I like myself some weirdos exhibit a the person I'm doing a <laughs> podcast with so <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh, no, I'll take it. I'm, I'll probably take it. <laughs> oh, oh, Taylor Swift. We could go on and on and on and on and on. We could. I, I do want to ask if you think you have a favorite song of all time. Of all time. 
I would say a place in this world tied together with a smile. 15. I'm just thinking it over. Wildest dreams. Mm. And peace. Those would be my tops. Okay. They were hard. It was hard to choose. <laughs> I love that we both had such different experiences. <laughs> That's so good. I need to. Can you do albums in order? Not to get too specific, but like of favorites to least favorites. Yeah. Favorite album to least favorite album. Oh god. Um, okay, I'm gonna look at them here. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Okay. Um hold on. What the hell is happening? Okay. I think folklore has to be my favorite right now. Me too. Um, and then second is 1989. Second um, for me is Taylor Swift. Okay. I think Taylor Swift would be third for me. 1989 would be third for me. Okay. So we're back on the same. Um, Fourth. Fearless. And then... I agree. And then Speak Now, I think. I agree. Red. I agree. And then Reputation. Lover. And then Lover. I would do Lover and then Reputation. Okay. So we only differed twice there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Okay. Pretty damn good. Big. Okay. Katie, do you have any final thoughts on Taylor Swift for us today? Like I said, we could go on and on and on. We could. But as much praise as she gets, she also gets a lot of hate. And I think if we step back from any opinions and recognize the incredible artist she is and what she does with her free time, being a role model, a philanthropist, all the things that encompass her and her brand, it's truly incredible what she's accomplished and that she's managed to stay relevant for 15 plus years. I mean, it's been half of her life. So that's, that's what I have to say. Give me more. Give me more songs. Give me more experiences. Tell me what I'm supposed to feel next. I think I can echo you that if there's one thing, it's that she is significant and she gets she deserves to be seen as just that and that she's allowed to have some bad that goes with the good because she's a person and that is just inherent in living and doing and I love that she has been getting a little messier lately um and that you know it's not just that for by and large I agree with her um it is also that these She's being very thoughtful, as she always has been, about how she's using her platform, but she's willing to, in some way, watching her figure out what the boundaries are and where she's going to leave a personal fingerprint and where she's going to let there be a barrier is really interesting. And I really appreciate it as a person who is also trying to navigate that personal professional element and uh, where everything intersects with work and passion and creating and I'm indebted to her forever more. 
about it. Whine about it. Whine about, whine about, whine about it. Wow, wow. Oh, that's so jazzy and cute. I just felt a little up tempo. I didn't channel my inner Taylor Swift. I don't even know what that would be, honestly. I guess my whine about it is just coronavirus related. Mm. It's just feels like it's getting closer and closer and I'm just nervous. Feels ominous. Yeah, I'm ready to work from home again. <laughs> I I miss like being able to walk outside without a mask and like being able to get up. I didn't realize how much I would miss like being horizontal. Like just being able to lay down every once in a while <laughs> during the day is really nice. Um, my back hurts and my chair and it's just all the little things about work and COVID are feels like a lot. It does. I listened to Brene Brown's podcast Unlocking Us last week and it put into perspective like this six months into the pandemic, like six months into any disaster of any sort, there's, it's kind of like reaching a threshold and being constantly in that, like, we have to keep adapting, but this is normal, but we don't have an end in sight. It's, it's normal for it to weigh on us. So I feel like that's where I'm at. Like I'm not, it's not like I'm not acclimated to this situation at all. Cause I am unfortunately. And I think a lot of us are, and I've been very fortunate throughout it all. Um, I'm just tired. Yeah. My whine about it is that, um, this is borderlining on TMI, but just like hormones and being hormonal not super fun and I forget that it is a thing that is gendered and that not to say that everybody doesn't have their own you know whatever going on in their bodies but um <laughs> I <laughs> God, if men are listening, I mean, it's good for them to know, but I don't know if they realize just how much it happens. But uh, like I moved in with two other women. And so we've been having this really fun figuring out who's the alpha <laughs> with hormones. And, <laughs> and I texted them the other day because they're like, okay, I'm picking up tampons. Like, I hope you're good. And I was like, haha, bitches, I'm the alpha. Like, I'm not <laughs> with you anymore and then uh no I just I forget how much hormones play a factor in mood and like just how heavy you can feel and it's not even related to any of the symptoms like other symptoms and physical aspects like I'm lucky enough that I um have birth control that I don't have to worry about some of those other elements but the hormonal, like the factor, how it plays into emotions is still very much a symptom. And that's not fun. Shout out to all the ladies out there who <laughs> just, it sucks. Would second everything you just said. 
<laughs> like it, it, it is not fun. And I'm curious because every month I have the same symptoms, right? Like the same, like, Oh, about a week and a half before my body starts being like tender and I get emotional and like very snippy and then I have cravings and then it's like every month this happens and every month I'm like it's kind of a surprise it's happening <laughs> like do I have COVID am I dying like why can't I do the things I normally do without feeling like shit and every month I'm like that's why I, I, I get my period I'm like there we go and it shouldn't be a surprise after 10 plus years of getting my period here we are do you feel that way yeah it's always a surprise <laughs> I swear I don't know how humankind advances sometimes because I'm like it literally <laughs> Hey, Josh Peterson, this episode's for you, by the way. It absolutely is. <laughs> so I'm glad we could eclipse the end of this just for you. <laughs> oh my God. Tell Tony hi. We love you both. Yep. Yep. Okay, Katie, thank you so much for bringing, picking this topic. It makes me so happy. So, so happy. And if there was anything that was us really practicing for the podcast before starting a podcast, it was the years and years in which we just harassed each other about Taylor Swift and <laughs> talked yes, elaborately it's, it's all about been building to this point. This has been it. This is the tops of where we're ever going to go ever again. I'll talk to you next week. 